Well, two weeks ago, we, um, we began uh, looking at the person of Christ. Uh, for those of you who are new with us, um, on Wednesday nights, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm teaching through Wayne Gruden's systematic theology. Um, you say, well, I thought you preached the Bible. Well, you don't have to be here very long to realize that we do. We do. We, you'll, you'll hear several passages tonight. Um, I'm teaching through this because there's so many people that, that go through church, that sit through church services and different programs and for years and years and years, but we, we struggle with putting all of the whole picture together. And so what I'm hoping to do as we walk through this is to systematically walk through the diff- different doctrines of the church to show you how it all fits together, what we believe, not based on what the pastor says, but based on what the Word of God says. Systematic theology, all it is is taking these doctrines that are taught in Scripture and then trying to, trying to show all of what Scripture says about this particular doctrine. Okay, So we've been on the person of Christ for a couple weeks now. Um, two weeks ago, we looked at the fact that Jesus is... or. He, was completely a man and still is when he was resurrected from the dead uh he didn't he, he wasn't resurrected as a disembodied spirit he didn't go to heaven without a body he went to heaven with a resurrected body we know this because when he appeared to the disciples in that upper room in that locked room he showed them the scars in his hands the scar in his side he ate with them he ate fish with them um he, he appeared bodily to them, and he was ascended in the same. He ascended in the same way. So, um, he was while he walked on the planet fully a man, and and still is. He's fully God and fully man. And we we talked about this two weeks ago that that um, Christ's humanity is seen in his virgin birth, um, in the fact that he had this real human body, um, that he he became tired. Uh, he grew up, you know, he, he wasn't just deposited on the planet as a 30-year-old man, but he was born and was raised. I mean, you think about that. The God who spoke the universe into being, he created out of nothing, was born as a baby. I mean, went through the terrible twos. I mean, I don't know that Jesus was really terrible in the terrible twos, but he, he went through the toddler stage. I mean, think about that. That's an amazing thought that he subjected himself to that. That, uh, that he had a human mind. Um, the Bible says in Luke 2.52 that he increased in wisdom. <laughs> how, does, how does God increase in wisdom? Well, he does so in his humanity. In his humanity, he subjected himself to that. Um, he had a human soul with human emotions. He, he wept um, at the death of Lazarus, he wept over Israel and their continued rejection of him. How long would I have gathered you as chicks, as a, as a hen gathers her chicks? But you wouldn't. And he wept over them. Um, he faced real human temptation. Jesus was tempted in every way. And we're going to look a little more at that tonight. He was tempted in every way like you and I. Um, I mean, you, th- you think about all that you're tempted with and you can think through Scripture and you can think through the life of Christ 
And while Jesus may, have not, may not have been tempted in exactly the same way that you are, I mean, let's face it, there was no internet pornography when Jesus was walking on the planet. But while he may not have been tempted every way in exactly the way that you are, he was tempted very similarly so that he understands and knows what we go through. That's what Hebrews 4.15 is all about. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Um, Jesus was human, um, and this is shown, in, and I didn't cover this two weeks ago, but this was seen in the fact that his own family members didn't see him as anything but human. I mean, do you remember earlier when we were going through Mark together when his family members went out to get him because they said, he's out of his mind? He's going crazy? I mean, they saw him as nothing more than human. They came to be convinced later on that he was the Son of God, God himself. He was the promised Messiah. But in those early formative years, even all the way up to the cross, his humanity is demonstrated in very, very graphic ways. I, you know, you can't deny the humanity of Christ. In fact, you don't, you don't hear that a whole lot. What you hear is you hear people denying the deity of Christ. You hear people say, well, I, I believe Jesus was a good man. I believe he was a good teacher. But you don't ever hear someone say, oh, he is God, but he was never a man. So really, we don't need to spend too much time on this because we understand Jesus was a man. I mean, there's no, no denying that, no reason to doubt that. Now, although Jesus was clearly a human, fully human, just like us, Scripture teaches that there was one big difference between him and us. What was that big difference? Yeah, without sin. He never sinned. Um, now, <laughs> I just want, I want to read this to you. I want to read you some scriptural evidence for this. Turn to Luke chapter 4. And let's just walk through the temptation of Christ in Luke 4, verses 1 through 13. Let me read it and then we'll come back and talk about it. Luke 4, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this, this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall not worship the Lord your God, uh, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem. And set, on the, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from there. And for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. 
And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Uh, two, three weeks ago, I had just preached the, uh, um, this first sermon back in the Mark series. And um, it, was, it was the section where Jesus looks at Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. And Cletus was here that Sunday, and he was here from, the, from our association. And on his way out, he said, you know what? He said, I've, I've got an idea for a series that I think you should preach sometime. I said, what is that? He said, that was one of the opportune times that Satan left and looked for. When, when Satan worked through Peter to try to tempt Jesus not to go to the cross, that was one of those opportune times. And uh, he said, it'd be interesting to do a study sometime of what were those other opportune times. I thought it was pretty fascinating. It would be a pretty good series. But what I want you to see in this is I want you to see that Satan pulls out all the stops. And he throws everything at him. And I, I don't want you to simply read over this and divorce the fact that Jesus was fully human from this. Put yourself there. You know what it's like to be fully human. You don't know what it's like to be fully divine, but you know what it's like to be fully human. You have fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. He ate nothing, Scripture says. Now, add to that. You have divinity. Satan comes along and says, Turn this stone into bread. What would you do? What would you be tempted to do? You see the temptation? This was a real temptation. In a skinny minute, <laughs> I would have made it bread. I mean, like Logan's Roadhouse Rolls come to the table with honey butter dripping off of them because I can do that if I'm fully divine. Jesus resists. He, does, he doesn't. He resists Satan, resists the temptation, turns Satan away, quotes Scripture to him. Satan then comes at him again and at him again. And each time Jesus turns him away and Satan wants him to take the easy way out, not to take the long way, not to suffer that will lead to the cross, that will lead to the redemption of all mankind. He wants him to take the quick and the easy way out. And you know, it is a temptation. Let's don't divorce this from the fact that Jesus is fully human. We read this sometimes and go, oh, but he was God. No big deal. It is a big deal because Jesus resisted as a man. He did not rely on his divinity in that moment to resist. Because if he had called on his authority and his power as part of the Godhead, then it would have been a bailout. And Hebrews could not say... We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us, but we have a high priest who knows what it's like to be tempted just like we are in every way possible, yet without sin. It's, it alludes to the fact that he didn't pick up his divine power to resist. But instead he resisted it in his humanity. That's 
That's huge. Adam and Eve, when they were tempted in the garden, they had one another. I mean, you know, guys, guys are really quick to, to point the finger at Eve. I hear guys all the time, yeah, Eve, look what Eve did. Eve got us in trouble, you know. Where was Adam? Where was Adam? Adam is the head of that household. Where is he? Well, Scripture leads us to believe that he's right there. And what did he say? Nothing. Guys, we... Let me just go off on a tangent here for a little bit. We need men that will step up and lead. We need men that will say, regardless of what's popular or what's easy or what would help us to get by in this time, this is what the Word of God says. God said, don't eat from that tree. Eve, I love you, but if you eat from that tree, guys, we've got to step up to that. You, you would think that between the two of them, they had one another. At least one of them would have said, don't. We can't. But when Eve saw that it was good for food, and the seed of doubt had been planted in her mind that God really didn't mean what he said, then she gave it to her husband and they both ate. In the wilderness, when Jesus is in the wilderness, who does Jesus have with him? Nobody. I mean, yes, he's there fasting. He's there led by the Spirit. There is not a break in the Trinity there. He is there seeking the heart of the Father. But physically, he has nobody with him. And yet he resists. This is our God. This is Christ in his humanity, sinless. I want you to see what a big thing that was. Adam and Eve, they had an abundance of food. It wasn't as if God said to them, see all this fruit around you? Don't eat any of it. I mean, that would just be cruel, you know? The other day, Abby, you know, we, Moses was outside. And we, Moses, you know, so he comes in and out, you know, sometimes. But he was not in at this point because he had gotten off in something and he was dirty. So I wasn't letting him in. Well, Abby said, why aren't we letting Moses in? I said, He's dirty. Well, she has this big heart for Moses. So she goes over to the door where he's already standing, looking in like, please, just open the door and let me in, you know. And so she goes over to the door and just sort of looks at him. Not only that, she's eating in front of him. I mean, he's got, you know, just drool, just running, just dripping down off of, you know. I said, Abby, you're torturing the dog. That, you know... God didn't do that. God didn't put them in the garden and say, look at all this that I've made. Now, don't eat any of it. No. God said, have at it, except for this one. Oftentimes people want to say, God is, is restrictive. He's just a killjoy. He just wants, to, just wants to put rules on us. No. He is generous. In the wilderness... Jesus had nothing. It wasn't as if 
God, the Holy Spirit, had, had led him to the wilderness and said, don't eat anything from this tree. No. God had led him there and said, don't eat anything. Yet Jesus resisted. This is, this is Christ. I want to read you what Wayne Grudem said. Um, and then I'm going to go on just a little bit more. Wayne Grudem, he says this, talking about Jesus resisted the temptation in his human strength alone. If he had called upon his divine powers to make the temptation easier for himself, then he would not have obeyed God fully as a man. The temptation was to use his divine power to cheat a bit on the requirements and make obedience somewhat easier. But Jesus, unlike Adam and Eve, refused to eat what appeared to be good and necessary for him, choosing rather to obey the command of his heavenly Father. Jesus, up against great temptation, with full humanity, born of a virgin, human body, human mind, human emotions, all of that goes up against temptation the onslaught of, of the enemy and resist it completely. And you see this all throughout Scripture. I mean, you know, you, you look through, I don't have time to go through a lot of these, but uh, John, John eight forty six, he he uh, he poses a question to the Pharisees and the scribes, those that are opposing him, and he says to them, Which one of you accuses me of sin? Which one of you condemns me of sin? They didn't answer. Because they had nothing on him. Pilate, Pilate takes him in and examines him. He comes back out and he says, I find nothing against him. I'll give you Barabbas or Jesus. Which one do you want? Give us Barabbas. But why? He's an innocent man, Jesus. All through Scripture, we see this. Jesus as being holy and righteous and sinless and no guilt found in him. When the apostles preached all throughout the book of Acts, they, they referred to him as the holy and righteous one. Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Second Corinthians 5, 21 for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When Jesus went to the cross and hung among the thieves, condemned as a criminal, he was without sin. Romans 5.8 God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were the ones who were sinners, not Christ. Hebrews chapter 4. Turn over there. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. Hebrews 4, 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. This is the verse I want you to see. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
When you and I are tempted, this is the point here in this passage. When you and I are up against it, we are tempted, and we think there's no way that we can resist this, we're called to think about the one who is not unlike us, but has been tempted in every way like us, yet without sin, let us draw near to the throne of grace in our time of need. When we're up against it, tempted to sin, desperately, not knowing how we're going to do this, we are not to continue to dwell on that temptation, but we are to run boldly to the throne of grace. The one who did resist. Some have said, and this Wayne Grudem makes this point, I thought it was a great point. Some have said, if Jesus never sinned, if he never sinned, then he's not really human. Because to be human is to sin. I mean, that's just kind of what we do. I mean, to be a dog is to bark. You know, to be, you know, to be a cat is to, you know, some of you like cats. I won't go there. I'm not the biggest cat fan in the world. But anyway, it's, it's, it's the nature. And some say, then he couldn't have been fully human because if he didn't sin... He can't be fully human. To be human is to sin. What's wrong with that argument? Think about it. Give me an answer. What's wrong with that argument? Jesus can't, couldn't have been fully human because he didn't sin. See, this is, this is what's wrong with it. We have gotten so comfortable in our current condition... That we think it's normal. Living in a sinful condition is an abnormal condition. We weren't created to be sinners. We weren't created sinful. We were created holy and righteous. Adam and Eve created holy and righteous. That argument, someone who says, well, Jesus was not fully human because he doesn't sin... Their argument would lead to then Adam and Eve were not fully human until they sinned. But they were fully human in every way. It was when they sinned that they became less of what God intended them to be. Our existence in this sinful environment with this sinful tendency that exists within all of us Living and acting out on our, on our temptations and giving in to sin is an abnormal reality. And it's one that will not last forever. That ought to cause you to say, Amen. There's coming a day when all of it will be put to an end. That there will be no more sin. Can you imagine what a glorious existence that will be? When there will be no more backstabbing or gossip or murder or violence. There will be no more earthquakes or tornadoes or hurricanes. There will be no more death or sick or cancer. There will be none of that. There's coming a day when that will be gone. But right now we live in this abnormal state. So to say that Jesus was not human because he doesn't sin or he didn't sin. And to be human is to sin. Is to accept our condition is being normal. And we are in the, sometimes I sign letters, already but not yet. We are already justified, but we are not yet glorified. 
We're on our way there. I want you to see this because I want you to understand that what Jesus did for us in living this perfectly righteous life is no small thing. We oftentimes want to put all of the spotlight on the cross. And we should put a lot of spotlight on the cross and what Jesus did there at Calvary. But we cannot forget, we cannot neglect the fact that he also lived a perfectly righteous life. That he did not sin once. We've sinned today, right? We've sinned today, probably on the way here, we've sinned. Jesus never sinned once. And what that means is that when when we are in Christ, when we by faith turn from our sin and trust Christ alone as our only hope of salvation, that God takes our sinfulness and imputes it to Jesus transfers it to his account and takes Jesus' perfect righteous living, his perfect righteousness, and imputes that to us. That's good news. Jesus was sinless, and because he was sinless, those who are in Christ, when God sees us, he sees us as sinless as well. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we come to this, and God, we have no other response other than to say thank you. God, it ought to cause our hearts to gush. God, I pray that you would give us a, an increasing awareness of our tendency to sin, of our sinfulness. God, I pray that we would leave this place tonight and that we would, we would watch ourselves, that we would be aware of how many times we commit sin. And God, then we would compare that to 33 years of Jesus living on this earth as a real human, fully human. And God, that it would just increase our love for Him. God, we thank You that we can't do anything to earn it, but that Christ, in His righteousness, and in His death on the cross, and in His being raised from the dead, has earned our salvation. And God, we thank You that by grace we can turn from our sin and by faith trust Christ and be gloriously saved. Lord, help us to not hold that lightly. Help us to not trample under our feet the precious blood of Christ. God, help us to treasure it above all things. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.